Welcome to Criminal AF. And for those of you joining us for the first time, this is a true crime podcast. There will be talk of murder, rape, torture, assault, and pretty much any crime that would haunt you nightmares at any given moment. There will be detailed descriptions of said events, and there will be some vulgar language. Like fuck. We understand that Criminal AF is not for everyone, but we just ask that you at least give it a listen. If it's not for you, hey, thanks for checking it out. See ya. But if it is, welcome to the debauchery. This is the story of a man who took his mommy issues to the extreme, creating an imaginary world where his mother was still alive and well. But in reality, it was just him wearing her face as a mask. I'm Dave Jari. I'm Garrett Corder. And this is Criminal as Fuck. What's good, fuckers, and welcome back to another debauched episode of Criminal AF. Once again, I am Dave Jari, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Garrett Corder. How we doing, Davey? We're doing very well. Gary, 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 no. That's actually, that's what all my friends call me. Gary? Yeah, they go Gary. Like, hey, Gary, what are you, like, I'm not even joking. That's like my close friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's annoying. I hate it, but it just caught on one day. Uh, (laughs) What the fuck? So to kick, the, kick this off, we'd like to th- announce our newest member of the Criminal AF family, and that is Royce Preston. And yes, we also have two members who upgraded, and that's Megan Miller and Wendy and Paul. Oh, Wendy and Paul. Yeah. Megan Miller. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So thank you so much for your generous support. You can become one of the boss as well by joining our Patreon for as little as $2 a month. Everyone gets ad-free episodes and access to our private Discord. And those who join the $5 tier above get all of our audible video and downloadable content, including the narrated scripts from every story, five-minute murder, where I discuss a true crime event in about five minutes, uh, and also our Patreon-only bi-weekly podcast called Random AF, which we're going to be recording tonight. I'm already a couple drinks in, baby. (laughs) I'm feeling nice, guys. Where we discuss anything and everything, and we don't hold anything back. Isn't that correct, Garrett? Oh, nothing. I got some good ones tonight, too. Good, can't we? Uh, It gets pretty crazy, and it's 100% not safe for work. Now, for the higher tiers, you get all of this, plus producer credits on every episode, some goodies thrown in, like T-shirts, posters, coffees, mugs, etc. Now, to choose your tier, just go to criminalafpodcast.com backslash support. Or click on the link in episode description. Now, there are other ways to support Criminal AF as well. And one is by visiting our show on Apple Podcasts, where you can leave a detailed review on why Criminal AF has had such a positive impact on your life. Don't ask us why. I don't know why leaving a review on Apple Podcasts means that much. But, you know, I guess that's where all the, the cool kids go to see which podcasts are doing well and who's got the numbers who's got the numbers yeah so the other way to support our show is by rocking our merch go get you some merch yes sir there's tons of designs and products to choose from like uh i don't know you can get t-shirt sweatshirt a yoga mat yeah so garrett you can do your yoga you go in the yoga room everyone's got like pink floral patterns and you whip out that criminal me and dave's face on it oh dude I record your record the reactions for us and send it in at criminalafpod at gmail.com, please. That'd be awesome. So the choice is yours. Just go to criminalafpodcast.com and select our shop. Mail call. Mail call. All right. Prior to every episode, we send out an AMA on our Instagram for a chance for your question to be answered on air. And today we have two of them. Uh, the first one is from Cheeky Manx. 
Cheeky. Cheeky. And she wants to know, if you had an intro song that played every time you walked into a room, what would it be? Ooh, good question. Ooh, good question. I, see, I instantly go to the wrestling walkout. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I got to... I've always said, I've, I've thought about this question a lot. You know, we joked around with my buddies and stuff like that. And I always went, like, stupid. I, never, I always gave, like, a dumb answer. Like, yeah. I would want, like, uh, like, I've got one hand in my pocket. <laughs> the other one is flicking a cigarette. No. <laughs> a lot is more set. Yeah, something right, like, yeah, something yeah. stupid like that. Or yeah. uh, it starts on your toes with the crink on your nose. <laughs> Wherever it goes, I always know. But, no, I can't. I, I If I really want to. God, that's so hard. There's so many good songs. It's raining men. Hallelujah. It's, it's raining, raining men. Hey, man. All right. Uh, no, I'm all right. Really, really. Sorry, let me take another drink. Intro, if I could pick one song every time I walk in a room that played. All right. It's got to be Dreams Money Can Buy by Drake. And if you guys have never heard that song, listen. It's old school Drake. Dreams Money Can Buy. That's what I'm gonna say, and I know a lot of a lot of our fans listening have never heard that song. Google it, listen to it, and you'll be like, "Oh uh, yeah, I can see that why Garrett chose that song." It's got to be "Dreams Money Can Buy." Yeah, I don't know what mine would be. Here's what I feel like: like Limp Biscuit or something like <laughs> something like <laughs> maybe a little System of a Down, like the uh, what what is it? What is it? Oh my god, it's some violent pornography <laughs> choking chicks inside of me. I love that song. The kind of shit you get on your TV. <laughs> you never heard that song? No. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I think mine would probably be uh, I fly like people get high like planes. <laughs> Come around here. I don't know. There's just something about it. I, mean, I think of, I instantly go to Pineapple Express. Yeah. It's like my, yeah. I, I, I kind of think it's like, uh, it brings me back to, I don't know, it just reminds me of my childhood for some reason. Well, that, yeah. that hook is from an 80s rap song. Yeah. Yeah. Which one? I don't know. I, but I, I know that it's a famous hook from like an 80, like a late 80s rap song. Mm. So that's my, my, it might bring you back. Huh. No, late, no, no. late eighty, like eighty eight, eighty nine. I remember. If you look it up, you can look up the actual hook of it. So that might that Let me might. Do that right now. I'm curious. It's it's sampled from something. Type in paper planes. What's the sample? The Clash is straight to hell. Wait, is that not a that's not a rap song? The, the Clash? Clash. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Maybe I was thinking of. Well, now I got to hear straight to hell. Actually, pull it up on the pull it up on the little, little trip trip thing. Yeah, pull gotta, it up gotta, on the TV. There you go. Oh, your little sneak peek at Florida, man. Yeah. The Clash. Uh, straight, straight to, to hell. hell. Yeah. Oh. Ah. I hear it. Oh. That's yeah, probably yeah, why it brings yeah, you back. Yeah. Yeah. You can hear the. Yeah, you can hear paper planes for sure. All I want to do. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. how nothing's original anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're just, we instantly go, every song is made from another song, sampled from another song. Yeah. So, Paper Planes, huh? Yeah. I don't know, it just gives me like a, like a, I don't know, like a vibe. I don't know. I just like it. Yeah. I can, I, uh, I can see it. It's like, uh, I just want to rock. Ah, ah, ah. 
<laughs> that's a good one to walk into. Oh, yeah. That's a really good one to uh, an intro song. Oh, now I want to listen to like all these songs. Now. I just want to. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> so, thank you very much, Cheeky. Hey, dreams money can buy. Paper planes. Yep, paper planes. Rock them. And we have another question here from M Mills SXX. And she would like to know what's your go to string of curse words? Go to string. <laughs> You stub your toe. What are you? What are you saying? It's shit. That's my first reaction. Shit. Shit. Oh, I, I have a, I have, I have a plethora. I, I, if I stub my toe, I instantly think I go shit. Yeah. But you know, hanging out with fucking you now, it's like, I, it's cut. Cut. <laughs> God damn it! You got, you got me hooked on that word too. And I fucking hate you for it because now I feel like trash every time I say it. Cut. Uh, like if I stub my toe, I mean, if I'm clearing my head right now, boom, I stub my toe. I'm saying, you cock-sucking motherfucking <laughs> bell bitch fucking cock. Cunt. I, don't, I don't go that far. I don't, I don't, but I, I usually just grunt too. Like I, if it really, you know, when you get that good, yeah. that good yeah. stub yeah. toe where yeah. it fucking, it rings. Yeah. It feels like you can feel it ringing in your ears. I usually just go. Yeah. Ah, fucking, fucking, fucking. I don't, I don't just unleash oh. a, a yeah. volley of swears. Like you fucking whore ass bitch Shit. cunt fucking motherfucking. Yeah, I, I almost blame I almost blame myself where you're you're swearing at the thing that yeah. you stubbed your toe on. Right. I blame myself like shit. Fuck. Yeah. Like I, I get mad at myself for stubbing my toe. Like why are you dragging your feet, you fucking dummy? Right. Where your but my, like a normal person's reaction would be get mad at the fucking curb that you right. hit your toe on. Exactly. Yeah. What the yeah. fuck is it doing? What the fuck is it doing? Yep. Criminal AF would be back after this quick break. Now back to criminal AF. Now, okay, since this kind of like brings up a, a, another subject, what is the worst body part to hit? Oh, that's a good one. It's, I mean, it's got to be balls. It's got to be balls. Yeah. I mean, coming from a man, like, I, I would like to say, like, let's be, you know, everything's equal here on this on criminal AF. Yeah. We're, we're a, you know, we, but it's it's true. And yeah. uh, if any of the female listeners, you have no idea. I'm mean, granted. You guys go through childbirth and get that. I get that. I yeah. witnessed that. You got you got us there 100. percent But the fact that you can do a slight little tap, yeah, it doesn't even it's need to be fun. hard. Yeah. yeah, it just you just got to get it right. Yeah, and it'll shut your whole day down. You will fall like it's a collapsing. That's the thing that that blows my mind the most because it never it's never the hard hits that hurt mm. the balls. It's always when you just give a little Jimmy tap, like a little nice little. Yeah, it like catches the nerve or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It, it, it's a shooting pain up your whole body. You're yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just you crumble. Yeah, you crumble. Like I would say from for me. I mean, yeah, the nuts are bad, but for me, it's my head. Oh, when you bump your head, like anything to do with my head. Like the rest of my body, if I like hit my elbow, bump my knee, kick the fucking curb, whatever. You know, you know, fucking piece of shit, fucking eat. Doggy dog. You know the funniest I mean? part about this is how many times you bump your head down here. And listen, we got the, the biggest podcast studio <laughs> in the world. All right, guys. There's 14 feet ceilings. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like except for the areas studio. where there's only five foot ceilings. <laughs> it's a huge studio space down here, guys. I, I gotta tell you. <laughs> but when I when I hit my head, dude. I, uh, there is a rage yeah. that comes over my body. It, you know that, what I mean? that, it lingers too. Head, head, yeah. it, bumping heads hurt. Like, I want to fucking murder That's anything. Ears, too. When you nab your ear. Have you ever gotten your ear like... No. No? You haven't like been hit on the side of the head? 
when your ear it's just your ear that hurts oh you know what i'm trying to say it's yeah, a, like if somebody like if you're messing around with somebody and they they go to like hit you or whatever and they they swipe your ear that's yeah. another one that really stings oh, yeah, i've yeah, noticed yeah. that too yeah so you're going head yeah bumping bumping your head 100 percent. yeah i'll Fuck go that. i'll go balls because it's just they actually did uh they actually did a comparison and <laughs> Oh, I know where you're going with this, buddy. You may want to stop. No, no, I'm going to bring it up because all right, all right. Uh, they were actually they actually did a study and they hooked up a like a pain meter kind of thing to a woman having contractions mm-hmm. and having a baby to a guy getting kicked square in the fucking nuts. Yep. If as far as pain factor, yeah, you know, now having a baby obviously is more prolonged. It's more, uh, oh yeah, you know, whatever. contractions suck. Yeah. But as far as pain within that instant, right? Yeah, it, they're they're on the same same level. Yeah, yeah. They just have to deal with it for longer, right? Guys will just have to get kicked in the balls, like and then yeah. every minute and a half, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every minute, yeah. Imagine that. Every minute and a half, you get a nice, nice wham, wham right in the fucking wham, nuts. and yeah. then you know it's coming too because yeah. they're like, "All right, you're a minute apart, so yeah. you're gonna feel one right now." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wham! <laughs> Fuck. And then you're you're bracing for it, so it's even worse. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just have like one of those mechanical like legs, just like sitting there. <laughs> and with a timer, and, like cocks back. Yeah, and with the a timer, timer goes off. Bam! <laughs> and you can't fucking. Move. So my my wife. This is a great story too. My wife. I used to joke around with her when she was uh, having our first kid, and she would be like, "You you don't know shit. You don't even know." And I was like, "Yeah, okay. It's not. Listen." Listen, I, I was just jo- I was literally just joking with her, but I was like, "Yeah, you don't know what it's like to do this or that." And she was just getting pissed, and I was I was tro- totally trolling her, but she yeah. I just like getting her riled up. Mm. And she was like, "She has one of those Thames machines." Was that a fake thing? No, it's what? they're like patches that you put on yeah. that you can control the torque, and it contracts your muscles. Oh, okay, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's for like yeah. massages and right. whatever. Yep. And she put she put it on my abdominal muscles, and oh. she was, and I guess she literally like showed that you can. You can feel a man can feel contractions yeah. by doing that. If you put them right in this certain spot, mm. and she did it to me, and I cr- I whined like a little <laughs> baby. I couldn't even get because I guess they're supposed to get to eight, which yeah. is the level was where the comparison to a real contraction was. Yeah. And I fucking chickened out at five. Oh. I was like, nope, nope, I'm got it. You win. That shit. I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> So listen, I'm not going to brag, but I know what a contraction feels like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to go there, but yeah, I'm sure. Well, thank you very much, Cheeky and M. Mills SXX for your, for your questions. So I wrote this in a Discord today, and I try to get a little... Uh, oh, you mean the Discord over that you can get at patreon.com forward slash criminalaf podcast? Yes, for just $2 a month. Just $2? Just two, you can get into the Discord? Just $2 a Listen, month. Listen, those numbers is cooking over mm-hmm. there, all right? I'll We're t- having a good time. I'll tell you what. <laughs> so uh, there ain't nothing like them uh, Florida man there stores. Oh, you want to go to Florida, baby? You know, I twist my titties every time I hear them guitar music. <laughs> Let's go to Florida, baby. Right, this one's a a doozy here. Oof. We got our new fancy. TV. Yeah, here's a, here's a we, new, new we, addition we to the Criminal new, AF. We got, we, a, we got, got TV new, up here. A new fancy TV in our studio chloroform. Yeah. By the way, our high production studio. Yes, studio chloroform. <laughs> and a mini fridge too, so now, guys. <laughs> we're getting there though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Disney World. This one's crazy. Two days ago, and if you've ever been to Disney in the last six years, this might freak you out a little bit. 
All right, Disney World employee charged with making over 500 upskirt videos. The fuck? A man has been charged with voyeurism. That's like my favorite crime. I I, Vo- I didn't even know. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm yeah. Saying, I didn't even know what voyeurism is yeah. was until we started doing this podcast together. You know, voyeur- no, no, I didn't know that that was what it was called. I didn't know that was like a, a crime. Like a peeping Tom. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like ever since we've been doing these episodes, Florida Man, and yeah. getting into it, like yeah. it's like my new favorite word. <laughs> I'm, it's I feel like I, uh, upscale. I, I will say that I I personally am a voyeur at heart. I mean, everybody likes it. Man. I, I... Who likes the lights off? Let's be honest. Come on. <laughs> Bill. <laughs> okay. Florida uh, man. Yeah, Florida. A man, a man has been charged with voyeurism after taking hundreds of upskirt videos of unsuspecting guests at Walt Disney World in Florida. Hundreds. Hundreds. Officials said on Saturday, these videos were taken over the span of several years. Police were called to the Star Wars store at Disney Hollywood Studios, which I don't know if you guys know, by the way, if you've ever been to Disney in Florida, the Star Wars store in Hollywood Studios is the best one there. Take it from a a nerd, a fellow nerd, a fellow Uh, nerd, a fellow nerd. The, the videos were taken over a span of several years. Police were called to the Star Wars store at Disney Hollywood Studios on March 31st after Jorge Diaz Vega. <laughs> wow, you butchered the fuck out of that one. Jorge Diaz Vega, a 26-year-old employee, was caught taking an upskirt video of an 18-year-old woman. Diaz admitted he had been taking videos up the dresses and skirts of unknown females in the Disney World theme parks for approximately six years. What? So any ladies out there, if you've been to Disney World in the last six years... Star Wars. Especially in Hollywood Studios, you got a video out there somewhere. Oh, shit. Uh, One of the officers wrote in his arrest made by public on Saturday. The man was working at Don Onder's lightsaber store when he was arrested. (laughs) It's dude, it's the best. Have the you ever been? Store? Oh my god, they have replica. Oh, take it from like I'm telling you. The last time I've been to Disney, it was I'm talking over you, ten years ago. You never saw the new Star Wars area? I haven't been there. In 10 it years. is since fucking, the kids since the kids were younger. I have never. I haven't been. It is so sick. It's so sick. Yeah, I'm it, go- literally I, when you walk through that tunnel, yeah. you, you think you're in like the Star Wars like land. Oh yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Star Wars land. Star Wars. No, I'm not. Just, the trash cans. Yeah. Like every little detail is Star Wars. It's crazy how good, how old. They old, look like R two D two. Yeah, like no, like yeah, like uh, there's like weird Star Wars language and everything. Like, like meep, boop, meep, boop, meep, it, meep. It's it's wild. It's wild. It's really good. Okay. Uh, I'll take your word for it. Yes. No, you're gonna go. We're gonna actually. That's a hey. We this Patreon keeps up. We're gonna do a live show at, at, at Star Disney. Wars Land, looking for girls in, in <laughs> with skirts mi- with mirrors on our sneakers. <laughs> yes, <Just> walking around, <laughs> looking for eighteen-year-olds with skirts on. <laughs> All right. During an interview, Diaz estimated he had Excuse over. Me, ma'am, can I ask you a question? <laughs> Could you just stand? Yep, just stand yep, a little stand, bit to the left. Yep. Spread the legs yep, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. There yep. you go. Stand. Oh, yep. All oh, right. Okay. Oh, right there. You yeah. fucking creep. <laughs> <laughs> During an interview, Diaz estimated uh, estimated he had over five hundred videos on his phone and willingly showed them to some of the officers, explaining that willingly, show, yeah. willingly. He's like, like yeah, he, bro, check yeah, this hey, out. Check this out. He's bragging to the fucking <laughs> cops like an idiot. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Explain- well, what's your favorite color? I got one with blue panties, blue. You got red panties. You want grannies? You want? <laughs> Explaining that upskirt videos bring him sexual gratification and are difficult to find online. What? I don't know. He's probably on Pornhub. You got to go to the weird sites to get all to get the the, get the upskirt shit. shit. Yeah. Diaz said taking the videos was a guilty pleasure for him, and he admitted to uh, he gets sexual gratification for taking the videos, and he later masturbates to them at his residence. The officer said in his report, Diaz has been charged with one count. 
of video voyeurism. Just one. That's it. 500 videos. 500 videos. Six years worth Guy of videos. Guy has been a predator at Disneyland. Yep. And he gets one count, one count of voyeurism. Not even like... I'm, I'm actually curious. Does that put you on the sex offender list? One count of voyeurism? Of voyeurism, right? Does that put you... Does voy- I'm going to... Don't you let's, have to be like voice. a... Uh... Nope. No. No, you don't. That's great. The fact... That's wild. Because if, if you're going to... That is 100% a sex offender crime. Oh, yeah. For sure. Right. Because you're violating somebody. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't... It's not the same as... 500 videos of unsuspecting females in skirts. Bitch, you should be a red flag on the fucking what? sex offender. All right, we're going we're gonna to do a blast from the past here for a second. What did that guy, the Sp- Spyros from Spy Cafe, who was spying on spies in their penises? <laughs> the spy who spied on spies? And yeah. Sp- yeah, 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 I remember that. What did he, Little flashback. What, what did he get? Because that's voyeurism, right? No, he didn't. Remember, he didn't get, he got like, account of voyeurism he got like uh sexual misconduct or something like that but it was mm. nothing like nothing major yeah it was nothing major that's crazy hmm. so you can you can look but you can't touch. yeah you can look so you can look all you want just don't touch i, I wonder your penis. if he must have been a a, a master Bader? at <laughs> <laughs> he must have been a master at um dictate like who was over 18 because I guarantee you if there was videos but then again you wouldn't How do you know? know you wouldn't oh, know oh this is upskirt yeah you wouldn't know at that point you can't I mean so there could have very much been I mean if there's Hello Kitty undies and shit then yeah that's uh, I don't know <laughs> I don't fuck it I mean uh, yeah I'm not gonna I'm not going <laughs> I, I I, I'm just saying, like, there there has to be a way for them to dictate. There had to have been some children that were under 18, right? I I would assume. So you would, like, that's bullshit. 500 videos over six years. For one count of voyeurism. I'm sure there had to have been at least one 16-year-old yes. on there at some point. So he he is a child predator at that point, right? Correct. Yep. So yeah. fucking give, get him on the sex offender list. Right. That's crazy. Nope. Yeah, so one he's, count of video voyeurism. He's five hundred videos in, and you used your position, too. That's that's the really fucked up part. You use your employment for ease of access yeah. to massive amounts of people. Yeah, that's yeah. where I have a problem with it. And yes. th- dude, just go online, you weirdo. There's some. I mean, I'm, I don't kink shame. I'm down. You know, I, I usually agree with every, anything. And right, everything. Right, right. You know me. Yeah. So it's it's kind of upsetting. Like, dude, get your fix online. Stop fucking videotaping right. strangers. And any girls who've been to uh, Disney in the last six years, go uh, look this up. Make sure you can uh, get your justice. You get your yeah. day in court. Get your witness, <laughs> your witness statement or whatever. Sue so. the shit out of fucking yeah. Disney. Don Anders lightsaber store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good old Florida never disappoints. Ugh. All right. So we are going into an oldie but goodie. Oh, uh, this, dude, we're bringing back a big name yeah, today. We're bringing sexy back. Sexy back. Sexy I back. mean, fucking bringing sexy back. Hey. hey, I don't. Wouldn't say Ed Gein, Ed Gein is very sexy. He's bringing sexy back. He's marching around and all the women and skin. all the skin. Yeah, imagine him wearing the skin, being I'm bringing sexy back. I just think of Buffalo hey. Bill. I always yeah. think. Of, I always go back to fucking <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dancing around. What song was he listening to when he was dancing around? Oh, dun, dun. what was it? Dun, dun. Was it? Oh, we gotta look that up down too. Let's, let's look it up. Goodbye, Goodbye horses. horses. Play it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, uh, 
I love how they have him with the mannequins in the background. <laughs> this is if Ed you know gave- what? I changed my mind. I pick- this is my walk-in song. <laughs> this is my fucking walk-in song. Goodbye horses. Yes. Oh, I am jamming. Yeah. Every time I'm gonna bring this to work tomorrow, and when I walk into the briefing room, I'm gonna have this blasted on my fucking I like radio. It. I like it. Oh yeah. I see you rise. Always falls. <laughs> All right, a little cruel AF karaoke going on here. All oh, right. man. All right, so we're going to talk about our old boy, Ed Gein, here. Ed Gein. And uh, we'll jump right in with Chapter Uno. <laughs> Grave robbing or better known as body snatching, has been a practice that goes back centuries. The earliest record of body snatching was recorded in 1319 in the city of Bologna, Italy, when four medical students were caught robbing a grave. As awful as that sounds today, you must bear in mind what society was like back in the 12th century. Christianity was widespread throughout all of Europe, and they believed in the possibility of resurrection so to disturb a body that lays in rest is worse than the actual crime itself. To deny a person a chance of resurrection was blasphemy. This thought process began to change in the 16th century when King James IV of Scotland allowed the Edinburgh Guild of Surgeons and Barbers the use of hanged criminals in 1506. King Henry VIII of England soon followed and allowed four criminal corpses to be dissected per year. By the 18th century, The dissection of criminals and those too poor to afford a proper burial was commonplace in medical universities throughout the world. While the thought is gruesome, this practice was vital in advancing medical techniques and procedures, many that are in use today. In the late 17th century, the basic procedure of removing gallstones would take hours to complete. The loss of blood and risk of infection would lead many to die. But by 1727, Patients could now have their gallstones removed in about a minute. With the increase of medical universities now opening throughout the world, bodies of criminals and the poor were becoming scarce. Medical professors would pay top dollar to those who could bring them bodies, and by the 1800s, the profession of body snatching was reaching its peak. Resurrectionists, as they were known, would deliver body after body to universities, no questions asked. Body snatching was so prominent that families of wealth began placing their loved ones in mausoleums, and the poor would place rocks or flowers on their loved ones' graves to see if they had been disturbed. Friends and families of the deceased would patrol the graveyards at night until it was believed that their body was too badly decomposed to be robbed. Body snatching was a lucrative business. However, bodies would sometimes be turned away as they were not fresh enough for dissection. As the study of anatomy became more prominent, professors were becoming more selective on the types and conditions of bodies they were willing to work with, rather than scour obituaries or funeral homes to find the perfect specimen. Some resurrectionists took body snatching to a whole nother level. They were now committing murder. The lives of men, women, and children were being taken to satisfy the new requirements mostly from the slums and downtrodden areas of town. Notable body snatchers of the time would hold their victims down and sit on their chests until they suffocated. 
ensuring the body was in near pristine condition. The new practice went on for about a year, until professors started realizing the bodies that they were dissecting were those of missing persons. The revelation that people were being murdered for dissection caused unrest in the communities surrounding these universities, and riots broke out. This led to the Anatomy Act of 1832, which stated that only the government could confiscate and supply unclaimed bodies to licensed antonomists, essentially ending the profession of body snatching. I say profession, not the practice. Whether it is for personal or financial gain, or whether it is to satisfy a disturbing need. Body snatching, as rare as it is today, still occurs. And there is one story of body snatching that has haunted the minds of people worldwide. This is the story of the Butcher of Plainfield. This is the story of Ed Gein. Ed, the son of George and Augusta Gein, was born in La Crosse, Wisconsin, on August 27, 1906. He was the youngest of two boys, with Henry, the eldest by five years. To say that Gein's childhood was unique would be an understatement. His father was a belligerent alcoholic who could never hold a job for long. He was a carpenter, insurance salesman, a tanner, but none of these jobs would last exceptionally long. His mother, who owned a grocery store, was a verbally abusive evangelical who would constantly berate and punish the boys for what she perceived as sins, which was pretty much everything they did. She would lecture them about carnal desires, lust, and the evils that women will bring into their lives. Regardless of this difficult upbringing, young Ed adored his mother and strived to do what pleased her. In 1915, Augusta sold the store and demanded that they sell their home in La Crosse, moving to Plainfield, Wisconsin, on a secluded 195-acre farm. Plainfield, with a population of just under 700 residents, was a perfect location for Augusta to wield her iron fist and keep her sons in check. With their father drunk and barely able to walk on any given day, the chores and upkeep of the farm fell directly on 10-year-old Ed and his brother. The two brothers rarely left the sprawling, isolated property other than to go to school, and upon their return, they would endure hours of scripture from the Old Testament and the Book of Revelation, focusing on death and divine retribution, as well as relentless tirades on how women were vessels of the devil from their mother. If the boys tried to make friends, their mother quickly intervened and brutally punished them, for fear that outside influence would poison her children's minds. This control and interference would continue well into Ed's thirties. All four members of the Gein family lived quietly on the farm for the next 25 years, when in 1940, the family dynamic abruptly changed. So let's, let's start, uh, let's, let's start right from the beginning. Yeah. So body snatching, grave digging. Lucrative business. Lucrative then. business. And Makes I, sense though. And it had, and, I, and at the time, you know, it had we a, were savage. It had back a purpose. Then, well, I mean, if you think about it, like if if, you, if they didn't have body snatching, and all these medical facilities didn't have anything to practice on, basically, yeah. like I'm uh, with you. I you know, I 
like would uh, we be as, as advanced as we, as we are now? I think there's know? two type of people in this world. Mm-hmm. There's people that think like the body's sacred. They, yeah. They're not organ donors. They're right. they're very. You have to be whole. Yes, yeah. I I need to be buried. I need to be blessed, and this and that and that. Right. And then there's people like me who just say, "Dude, I would donate my body to science. Whatever. Right. It's my like. You want my left testicle? Take dude, it. Take yeah. everything. Yeah. Go. I want to be put. I want to be posed in one of those museums <laughs> with my small dick just <laughs> hanging out. Like a little Willie. Like in like an, a like a figure skater pose yeah, what, or something. What, what was that? Put me in a frilly outfit. What was that tour that was going around? Bodies, body. The body. Uh, uh, fuck. What was it? I don't know. Where Bo- was it? Like was bodies. Peoples and they were like skinned and yeah. like you could see all their nerves yeah. and their muscles and stuff. Dude, they yeah. had they had two people having sex. Yeah. 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 It was on display. Was, and then they had like the baby like the fetuses at like different stages. Yeah. You know. Blah, 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 all that it's cool. I, I never cool. got to see it. I I, I kind of regret it. I, yeah. I would love to see that. I went there on a, a class trip with my uh, stepdaughter. Yeah, that would be cool. It was actually really. Really I, that, but that's what I'm saying. Go ahead, do whatever you, you want. And when you went by the display where they're like, you know, in in, in coitus, coitus, <laughs> coitus. Yeah, Just keep walking, baby. Yeah. Come on, keep walking. All the kids are like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like the chaperone, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like they're doing it. <laughs> You're the chaperone that I would want yeah. on my future. That'd be great, Dave. Getting chaperoned by Dave fucking Jari. <laughs> <laughs> through the body museum. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, uh, yeah, that's it's cool stuff. Yeah. So, I actually you you were what were you just talking about like people who want to go like in the past or something? Oh, I I was just saying before we uh started recording yeah. that when we we were discussing the episode and when I it annoys me when like there's people that are like, "Oh, when you have the, if you had the chance, would you rather go to the future or the past?" And then there's always that asshole who goes, "I want to go to the fucking 1600s or <laughs> for what, dude? Yeah. You like like we said in the story, you get you you, you die from getting your golf fucking stones removed. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. man. Right. No Wi-Fi, no nothing. Nobody wants to live back then. You get a toothache and then all of a sudden you fucking die <laughs> at 20. Why, why would anybody want to live back then? That was a horrible way to live. You're just throwing piss and shit out your win- your bedroom window into yeah. the streets, like. Yeah, George Washington, probably one of the greatest. Like he was a gangster, though. Like military, you know, per- political minds, whatever. Yep. Uh, he he died from a, going out in the rain. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look at eighty percent of the men back then died of syphilis. Yeah, <laughs> like right. Nasty yeah. fucks. So yeah, so now we're going into like Mister Gein here, who. Uh, Obviously, uh, he had a kind of a shitty childhood. I wouldn't say shitty, but just... Fairly normal for... I mean, if you look down the, the dark road of serial killers... Right. And big names, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, pretty standard childhood. Yeah. And, you know, you, you have your typical... Especially back in that time period. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that was, that was a rough time period to grow up as a kid anyway. And you have, you know, you have your you know, mother figure who's devout, religious... Stay away from the women. The women are the devil. Yeah. Oh. And your fucking belligerent alcoholic father. You know? <laughs> I, there's always a trend here. Yeah. There's a trend. There's always a trend. <laughs> yeah. It's all fucking drunk dads right. that start this whole thing. It, mo- disconnecting mothers yeah. and drunk fathers. That's the, the so recipe for disaster. My, my question is, does the father get drunker the more religious the mother gets? Or does the mother get more religious the drunker the father gets? I don't know. That's a good question. Are they just praying to God you know to I mean? that because obviously take them out of this? They didn't start this way. No. You no, know? No, no. They didn't get married, like her being like a religious zealot and him being a fucking well, raging alcoholic. The funny part about this is most 
the, the dad was probably religious too. He probably went to church every Sunday too with the yeah, mom. Yeah. Except as soon as he got out, he cracked open a fucking nip. <laughs> yes. Fucking God, God damn it! I fucking <laughs> something. Yeah, something with these marriages. They uh, they tend to turn somebody into it's a such original, a weird time to live at that yeah. point. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was it was acceptable though to just. Go have a drink. I mean, even if you look back into like the sixties and seventies, there was always a giant wet bar right in the living room. John Gacy with the fucking tiki tiki yeah, bar in tiki his fucking bar. living room. Yeah. Like it was just it was those. I, I've seen like any seventy sit sitcom. They always had a, a wet bar just yep. hanging out in their living room. It was just that was drinking was so much more. It's just like smoking too. So I I feel like especially back in the fifties, dude, mm-hmm. when it was like I've I've heard that. Some companies would let, like in like the 1950s, companies would offer you like whiskeys on the way into work. Like you would get there, like ah, you'd punch in and you'd get to drink on the job. Yeah. Like it was crazy. Yeah. So Gein's mother would lecture incessantly about the carnal desires of women, the <laughs> evils of women, the lust. I instantly went to uh, Bobby Boucher in the water boy. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy Bates she's just, her she's the devil. Women are the devil, yeah. Bobby. Sorry, go ahead. Keep, sorry, keep going. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm feeling nice. Okay. She's showing her boobies, and they were nice. Whatever. Vicky Valencourt. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep yeah. going. And uh, fuck. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, 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 yeah. sorry, sorry. And it's like. And it, this is where it goes to show, like, how, how does it affect one person over another? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, with Ed, you know, little Ed Gein, he's like, yes, mommy. Yes, yeah. mommy. Women are bad. Ooh, they're gross. You know? And, like, Ed's brother's like, yeah, okay, ma. Yeah. Yeah. Sh- sure. Yeah. And then he fucking turns around and starts fucking rubbing one out. In yeah. The corner. But, uh, but, yeah, Ed was like, phew, I'm going to do everything I can to please my mom, you know? And There's always that fucking sibling. Yeah. Anybody listening knows yeah. that sibling. Yeah. Oh, fucking no, mama's no, boy. Yep. God damn it. So how... Re- okay, so you have an evangelist mother, a raging alcoholic father who couldn't keep a job, and they buy a 195-acre farm in Plainfield, Wisconsin. Oh, good old... Good times, man. Oh. Good times when you could do that. Imagine that do you shit. know how much a 190-acre farm would cost in today's world? Uh, I know what a one-acre lot of land costs. It's fucking like... <laughs> Fucking two hundred grand, it's fucking stupid. It always cracks me up when people are like, "Oh, just move out to like Utah or you <laughs> You can buy a whole bunch of land. It's still it's fucking still, millions of dollars, right, you yeah, idiot. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> it was impressive. That that's that is a, a sure sign of the times, though. That, yeah, that a family with nothing could afford a, a hundred plus acre lot of land. Yeah. When they finally got onto that farm, they never left the property. Like maybe to go to school. Maybe to do odd jobs, whatever. But they never left the farm, and like the mother would just go hours and hours and hours. It's indoctrination, and hours. yeah. Of her child talking about the Book of Revelations and death and 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 how the divine retribution, you know, and all this other kind of shit. That's scary shit too. As yeah. a young kid, ten years old. Revolution, uh, revolution, revelations. The Book Revelations. Yes. Like I'm not, I'm not religious at all. No, I. But I've seen like snippets of the of revelations, it's, and it's, it's terrifying. It's fucking horrific. It's terrifying. They teach that shit in Bible school too. Yeah. Like, what are you like? So when you're a young kid and your mother's like, "This is what's gonna happen," you know, print, you know, putting this in your fucking head, you know, I'm sorry, you're you're probably gonna fucking grow up to be a little fucking weird a little weird yeah there's 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 a lot of children who make it out of that though. yeah 
And oh, no, yeah, yeah. Then there is some that stick in it. Right. And they become priests. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My uncle was a priest. Oh. All right. So now this go. I mean, this this goes on day after day, week after week, year after year, and we're we're talking like twenty, thirty years later, and suddenly the family dynamic changes, which we will discuss in chapter two. On April 1st, 1940, George Gein passed away at the age of 66 from heart failure related to his alcoholism. The only member of the family that the death of George may have affected was Henry. Augusta was relieved to finally be rid of this useless man, and Ed, well, Ed still had his mother. To make ends meet, Henry and Ed would take odd jobs around town, mostly handiwork. The Gein boys now 39 and 34, were generally liked and trusted by the people in Plainfield, so much so that Ed would be asked to babysit some of the children in the area. Augusta hated that her sons were out and about, and she would continue lecturing them on the evils in the world, especially women. Henry was growing tired of his mother's tirades and would often undermine her in front of Ed, much to his dismay. Henry eventually started dating a divorced mother of two, which infuriated Augusta. Henry was soon planning on moving in with her, when on May 16, 1944, another tragedy struck the Gein family. Henry and Ed were burning brush in one part of the farm. The fire quickly got out of hand, and Ed was separated from his brother. Ed was able to make it back to the house, and the fire department was called. With the fire extinguished, Ed reported that Henry was still missing. When searchers began to gather to help find Henry, Ed, who previously said he didn't know where Henry was, led the search team directly to his lifeless body. There were some other inconsistencies with Ed's story. For example, how did the bruises to Henry's head occur? And why did Henry appear to be dead longer than what was thought? Despite these lingering questions, there was no autopsy performed and local authorities closed the case. Now it was just Ed and Augusta, perhaps the way Ed had hoped for all along. Soon after Henry's death, Augusta suffered a stroke. Ed would care for his mother day and night, even take her along in odd jobs and run errands. One instance was when Ed was visiting another farmhouse to purchase straw when a barking dog interrupted his conversation with the owner. The owner began to savagely beat the dog. A woman came out of the house yelling at the man to stop, but he continued, and the dog was killed. When Ed got back in the car, Augusta was absolutely disgusted with what she saw. No, not the beating of the dog. That a woman came out of the man's house. Augusta would begin screaming at the woman, calling her a harlot as they drove away. Augusta soon suffered another stroke and her health rapidly declined. On December 29, 1945, Augusta Gein passed away at the age of 67. Ed Gein was devastated. He lost his only friend in the world, and some say his one true love.
After his mother's passing, Ed fell into a deep despair. He quickly renovated the farmhouse, but not in a way you would think. He boarded up the rooms his mother would frequent the most, her bedroom and a downstairs parlor. He moved all of his belongings to a downstairs bedroom off of the kitchen. In order to make ends meet, Ed sold off Henry's portion of the farm, about 80 acres, received a federal farm subsidy, and would maintain odd jobs throughout the town. Anyone familiar with a small town, you'll know that everyone plays a role. In Plainfield, Wisconsin, Ed Gein would be the town oddball. He was nice enough to everyone he came in contact with, but there was something off. This dates back to his school years when teachers and students alike would say that Ed would have random fits of laughter, as if he was thinking of a joke inside his head. Nobody would ever take him seriously, whether it was the random laughter or the odd interactions he would have with the people in town. Everyone just brushed him off. So when a local tavern owner by the name of Mary Hogan went missing on December 8, 1954, nobody thought it was strange when Ed told people that Mary was at his farm. Unbeknownst to the townspeople, Ed had a fixation with Mary because she reminded him of his mother. On the night in question, Ed waited for patrons on the tavern to leave before he entered. Ed had been there several times before, so it wasn't too much of a shock when Mary saw him enter the tavern. She would explain to him that the tavern was closing for the night, but Ed kept slowly walking towards her. Mary, becoming a bit more agitated, sternly told Ed that he had to leave. He kept walking closer. Mary now began screaming at Ed to leave as he pulled out a 32 caliber pistol and pulled the trigger. Ed, who had walked seven miles from his farm to the tavern, brought along a sled. He placed Mary's body on the sled and dragged her seven miles back to his farm. This trek would take several hours, but presumably, Ed didn't want his Ford sedan to be seen in town. The investigation into Mary's disappearance would grow cold, and soon, she would become a distant memory. So I, I can't emphasize enough, and I just want to like put this out, you know, kind of draw this out of the story, is how domineering this woman was. Now, both Ed and his brother Henry are now 39 and 34 years old. Yes. Full, fully grown. Not even just fully grown. Right. Like These are grown-ass like men. Like Should be having families of their fucking own yes. men. You know what I mean? And they're still under the grips of, of the fucking mother. So you, it doesn't shock me as much as, you know, when Ed's brother Henry starts to rebel a little bit. Like, I'm done with this shit. Fucking. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of being trapped at, right. at 39 years old. Right. And then Ed's like, <gasps> blasphemy. The audacity to question our mother. Meanwhile, I'm like, run, run, <laughs> run, Henry, run. run. Go to the big city, boy. <laughs> Go try yourself some ramen noodles for once. <laughs> Have a Snickers. Do something. <laughs> so the word, you know, so we're telling them, you know, hey, Henry. You know, go to the big city. Henry, go get find a girlfriend. Henry, go get a you know Just live your life for Christ's life. sake. But instead he goes with Ed to uh burn some brush out on the farm. And uh old Henry there didn't come back. The the worst part about that is that Henry was trying to get out of so the situation. Hard. So, so hard, hard yeah. right? 
spitting his game, mm-hmm. doing a little Rizzard of Oz, you know what I mean? Yep. Get, get like risen up the divorcee yeah. <laughs> from, the t- <laughs> from the couple towns over or whatever. Oh, hell yeah. And he almost made it out. Yep. And you oh. know damn well, as much as everybody who knows this story knows damn well Ed had something to do with this. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, he was mad. He was mad at that yeah. guy, Henry for questioning his mother, going against her word. Mm-mm, you didn't do that. What's crazy, too, is in his mind, he was saving his brother. Which is the Probably. Cr- you know what I'm trying to say? Like, mm-hmm. he was he was saving... He was going to keep him here and keep him to God or whatever. Yeah. It's some bullshit excuse. So, according to the story, you know, Henry allegedly got lost in the, in the smoke or whatever. Yeah, sure. Ed couldn't find him, blah, blah, blah. Well, when they ended up finding Henry, in which... Ed led them directly to him. Like, I don't know where my brother went, but, oh, but follow me this way. somewhere over here. He's somewhere in this five-foot radius right here. Um, He had a fucking big bang, a bruise on on his head. Nobody knew how it got there. And there was uh, no autopsy performed, so nobody knows what exactly happened to Henry other than uh, good old Ed. I mean, at at this point, everybody knows what happened to Henry. (laughs) Uh, that's such a sad story. Yeah. So now, so, sad. so now Ed has uh, has Augusta all to himself. And some would speculate maybe that's what he wanted. My beautiful baby boy. Yes, my beautiful grown mother. I love you so. <laughs> it's so, so weird. Such a weird dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> and now, uh, yeah. Now that from this, you know, a little clip from the story is that this shows you a little bit about how how his mother's brain was wired. So. Uh, Ed and her go to you know another farm to purchase some straw or whatever, and a barking a dog comes out barking, and the farmer's like, "Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up!" You know, and the dog wouldn't stop barking. Blah blah blah. You know, a woman comes out of the house and she's like, "Come on, get back inside!" Yelling at the dog, and dog wouldn't shut up. The farmer fucking end up killing the dog. Crazy. Right. Crazy. Right. Now you just saw that. What would you be? What would your first reaction be? Dude, I would have shot the dude in the head, like right instantly like, traumatic right that goes back to the the puppy debate yeah right you yeah, know what i mean yeah throwing puppies over the cliff what would you do if the guy had a gun yeah. crazy or uh rampage jackson yeah you know what i mean the mm-hmm. mma fighter yeah. was throwing puppies off a cliff and you walked up on him would you would you say anything to him or would you just let him keep chucking the puppies i'd say something hell yeah, yeah. it didn't matter how big i would take the, the would punch in the face to stop him. Over the fucking thing. Yeah. like that's yeah. But then again, that's also a t- like a rural area in the middle of nowhere. Right. That it's just how they were raised. They, they didn't yeah. look at dogs as the same way people look at dogs today. Correct. They were just farm animals yeah. at the end of the day. But uh, well, Augusta would not be upset at the, the guy killing the dog. She would be upset that a woman came out of the house and tried to to tr- and yelled. Yeah. Like how dare she! Get back in the kitchen, woman. Exactly. You do not belong out in the farm area. You belong in the house. That's crazy. Minding your own business. That's like... um. And Augusta began, like, screaming at her. It's so sad to see a woman bring another woman down like that. Like, right. we're, we're, I'm so happy we've progressed past this. Right. Where, like, know your role. Yeah, that women yeah. haven't been brainwashed like they did in the 40s and 50s and 30s <laughs> and shit like that. They understand. They, they empower other women. Yeah. Like, yes, queen! Back in the day. <laughs> yes, queen. <laughs> Compared to this girl who's like, get the fuck back in the kitchen! Yeah. Jesus Christ, dude. You harlot. Yeah. <laughs> You're a fucking woman! Be yeah. proud! Right. Exactly. Somebody had to, like, she has the balls enough to fucking stand up. All right, so now Augusta, apparently, you know, 
all the stress from seeing a woman run out the door uh, causes her to have another stroke eventually and she dies now which leaves Ed Gein with the farm with the farm all by himself not knowing what to do so then he closes off all the rooms his mother would frequent the most, like her bedroom or the downstairs parlor. Oh, God, like a, mono, like a mausoleum. mausoleum. Yeah, like, Ugh. no, you're forbidden to go in there. And he moves all of his stuff down. So basically, he just lives downstairs. Every other room becomes like a fucking shithole, except for those two rooms where that he blocked off. So now Ed sells off, you know, part of the farm. You know, he has about 80 acres left. And now he starts, you know, he starts going to town a little bit more, you know. It's a little, a little adventurous. You know, everybody thinks, you know, he's still the town weirdo. So when Mary Hogan went missing and Ed had made a comment that Mary was at his farm when he was questioned, hey, have you seen Mary? Yeah, she's at my farm. You know, everybody already thinks that Ed's fucking kind of like fucking weirdo. Yeah, he's a town weirdo. So they're like, oh, okay, all right, cool. You know, good talk. And I mean, she was there. <laughs> you know? So Ed started fucking, you know, taking pieces of uh, fucking Mary off. And making different things with her, with her skin, uh, he would, you know, go into like robbing the graves and stuff like that. People who just got buried. What do you think triggered that first kill? Because at this point, he showed no signs of, you know, the big three, the right. triad. I he, mean, that we know of. He just had like a freaky mom. Yes, yeah, he definitely had the mom aspect of it, but he didn't. He didn't show clear signs of a uh, of a ser- somebody who's going to be skinning people alive. Yeah. What? Where was? Do you think the death of his mom had any con- uh, contribution to that? I think it did because, uh, like the like the thing with Mary is that Mary had always kind of visually reminded Ed of his mom. So when, when his mom passed away, you're, she, oh, you're saying he was trying to keep a little keepsake? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so that, he was that, trying to be like, hey, Mary, come to my come to the house. Yeah. You know? He knows she's not going to stay. Right. So I'll just take your skin and make a mannequin right. of you. Yes. Oof. Exactly. I didn't even think about it like that. So now, basically, when we look at the whole grand scheme of things, Ed allegedly had taken his brother out for being disrespectful to the mother. So then he takes out Mary Hogan because, you know, Mary reminds him of his mother. And she basically said, Ed, go fuck yourself. I'm not going with you. And he ends up killing her. So it's just starting to increase. He's starting to unravel a little bit more and more and more. To make matters worse is that, like we've discussed, nobody in the town would think that he would be capable capable of this. Uh, the town police didn't think he would be capable of this. Yeah, he was the weirdo that lived on a... Yeah, he was just a, the town fucking weirdo, and that was it. You know, nobody thought him capable of doing any of this stuff. Dude, there's got to be some sexual frustration in him, too. Think about it. He's thir- At this point, he's, what, 35, 34? Uh, he's, uh, around this part, yeah, he's probably... He's pushing 40. Pushing 40. He's probably never, never even masturbated before. Because his uh, mom probably oh, no, told him, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. All that built up sexual frustration. You're mm-hmm. a fully grown man. You've never, like, there's got to be something weirdly sinister going on in your brain at this point. I wonder if. <sighs> Does he associate the sexual frustration with his mother? It could be. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that when his mother died, he fucking. Questioned life. No. He, he fucking laid one on her. You think so? Oh, yeah. He probably was like. I was like, no, mom. He's, you know, he's like fucking hugging her and he's fucking dick brushes, yeah. brushes against her boob. Yeah. Oh, fucking, no. He got all bricked up. He's like, God, the only woman that I love. Yeah. Oh, Imagine. no. <laughs> oh, no, Ed. 
Ugh. It very much, it very well could be. There, I definitely sense some sort of sexual tension with his mom. Yeah, for sure. I bet, but honestly, if that's the only women that you've ever talked to about that, discussed that for almost forty years, it's got to be built up. Mm-hmm. It's got to be. Hundred percent. So yeah, so we'll go into uh, a little bit more on uh, Ed's deranged fucking uh, behavior here in chapter three. Criminal AF would be back after this quick break. What's good, everybody? Nothing says I am one of the debauched like Criminal AF apparel and merchandise. Choose from multiple designs that fit your style and your attitude. For women, for men, around the home, or at the office. You can look great repping Criminal AF wherever you go and help support the podcast as well by visiting criminalafpodcast.com backslash shop or click on the link in the episode description. Go get you some merch. Yes, sir. Now back to Criminal AF. To say that the local police department was inept at doing their job is an understatement. You would think the facts relating to Henry's death would raise a few eyebrows, and Ed basically admitting to having Mary Hogan at his farm would send shockwaves, but nobody ever followed through. Even when some local boys went to Ed Gein's farm and he had shown them several shrunken heads, nobody blinked. Of course, Ed had a story for these heads, saying that his cousin fought in the Philippines during World War II and sent them back to him. Good old Ed, he's a bit off but would never hurt a fly, was the consensus of the townspeople. There were a few more disappearances in the area during this time, including an 8-year-old girl in 1947 and a 15-year-old babysitter in 1953. But the most notable disappearance was that of shop owner Bernice Warden. A prominent woman in town, Bernice owned and operated the local hardware store. In this town of 700 people, deer season was a highlight of the year, and all the men would be off each day at the crack of dawn to bring in their meat supply to last them through the winter, leaving the center of town eerily quiet. Not many people would go to the hardware store on the day of November 16, 1957, but the few who had thought it was strange that the store was closed considering that the hardware store's truck was seen moving around behind the store earlier in the day. Bernice's son, Frank Warden, was notified of these happenings when he returned from hunting. Frank went to the store at 5 p.m. that evening and found the cash register open and a spot of blood behind the counter. Frank, who also served as a deputy sheriff, quickly notified authorities. Frank had his suspicions. Having dealt with the death of Henry Gein and the disappearance of Mary Hogan, there was now a third common denominator. Ed Gein was in the store the previous night inquiring about the price of antifreeze, and it just so happens. The last transaction that Bernice had made earlier that morning was for one gallon of antifreeze. Police went on a search for Gein. When they finally called up to him at a neighbor's house, they questioned him about the disappearance of Bernice Warden. Gein's answers were strange and his body language was tense. It was decided to bring Ed to the station for a formal interview. In the meantime, the Washara County Sheriff's Office went to Gein's house to search the property. The 
house was dark and all the doors were locked. They noticed that a door to the shed appeared to be slightly opened, and with flashlights in hand, the worst of their nightmares would become a reality. Ed Gein was sitting quietly in his cell, refusing to answer any further questions while sheriff's deputies began to search the property. Unable to get into the house at the time, they made their way to a shed which appeared to be open. They didn't immediately notice anything out of the ordinary until one of the deputies bumped into a hanging object. He shined his flashlight and swinging slightly from one of the rafters was Bernice Warden, naked strapped up by her ankles, decapitated, and gutted like a deer. Once the sheer terror of seeing her lifeless body subsided, the sheriff's department now had what they needed to enter the house. It was a difficult task. There was no electricity to the house, so their search had to be done with mere flashlights. They had to force the door open because of objects stacked behind it and they walked into complete squalor. The house was filled with mountains of garbage, broken furniture, and numerous boxes. The smell in the house was unbearable, but police knew they had to push through. Their nightmare was soon to get much, much worse. Among the rubble of furniture and rotting trash, police found out that the simple, harmless Ed Gein was anything but. Among the items found in the house that night were numerous female fingernails, a waste paper basket made of human skin, human bones and bone fragments, the top of skulls made into bowls, a young girl's dress and the vaginas from two females gauged to be at or younger than 15 years of age, nine additional vulvae in a box, a belt made from female nipples, four noses, a pair of lips used as a drawstring for a window shade a lampshade wrapped with human faces, chairs upholstered with human skin, several masks made from the faces of females, a corset from shoulder to waist made from a female body, leggings made from the skin of female legs, gloves made from the female skin, Bernice Warden's head in a burlap bag, and Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag on Gein's potbelly stove. In addition to all this, Ed Gein was telling the truth about the disappearance of Mary Hogan. She was at Gein's farm. Well, at least a mask of her face and her decapitated head were. They also discovered the boarded up rooms. Upon making entry, it was as if authorities were in two different houses. These rooms were in pristine condition. His mother's bed was made and the rooms were neat as if she were still alive, even though 12 years have passed since her death. Police brought the news of the repulsive discovery back to the station. Gein, still silent up to this point, told authorities that he would tell them everything they wanted to know. He just had one request. A piece of warm apple pie with a slice of cheddar cheese on top. On the very last bite, he sang like a bird. So if there was one person throughout this whole town who even had an inkling of suspecting Ed Gein, it was uh, Frank Warden. 
he was a deputy sheriff, and he worked both the Henry Gein case and the Mary Hogan case. Yep. And, you know, he had his suspicions of, 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 of Ed. Now, when his mother, Bernice, ended up going missing, it was reported that Gein was in the store not too long before. Yeah, he wasn't the smartest guy in the world. Right. For sure. So, you know, he, he put two and two together. Yeah. Dude, and he's he, like, I want some antifreeze. Yeah, and then he bought any- a gallon of antifreeze before she disappeared in yeah. the transaction. Yeah, exactly. All right, now they want to talk to Ed. So they bring Ed in, and while he's there, they send out, you know, a, a group of officers to go check out Ed's garage. And in the meantime, Ed's not saying a word. Yeah. He's tense. His body language is tense. Um, you know, just he's just sitting there, not speaking, not doing anything. So they go, and they go to check out his house. Okay? It's dark. It's creepy. The doors are locked. You know, they're, like, shining their windows in, their flashlights in, and they can't really see much. You know, the house is in disarray, whatever. So they go around, and they find a shed. And the shed was open. And basically what happened is when they went into the shed... I guess they walked into oh, the remains of, of good Bernice. old Bernice, just hanging, hanging upside down, hanging upside down, gutted like a deer. The what's crazy about this story too is is it was a short period that he was actually killing, right? I think, and yeah. I mean, what? How many victims we have? One, two, well, 14, 15 year old, six, probably six. Well, well, that we know of, yeah. Six main names, right? At this point. Mm-hmm. In a short period of time, he was able to do some horrendous things. Imagine if oh, this yeah. guy could have went for like a four or five year stretch. That's what's the scariest thing about oh, that yeah, game. Yeah. His whole house would have been outfitted in skin. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he would have. And he was talented at it. Yeah, he would have progressed. He would have yes. gotten done darker, more, more darker. Yeah, keeping the vulvas and vaginas too is is de- that's where I'm going back to what yeah. we were talking about earlier is the the sexual frustration that's built right. up into him. You know what I mean? That's very that's a sexual driven crime. Yeah, and that well that's the thing but with the two young girls too is that Gein denied ever having anything to do with the two young girls. There was never anything really to quote connect them to him, you know, to him. But, you know, finding the the vulvas of two young girls believed to be under the age of 15. Yeah. And the girls were 15 and, and 9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These, the, the, this, he wasn't traveling outside of this rural area. Right. There's only so many people going missing yeah. at a time. Right. So, you know, back then, you know, obviously, we were talking about like... What, DNA wasn't a yeah, thing. And, it wasn't yeah. even thought of, you know. So there was no way to, of proving, who, you know, whose body parts those were. So, yeah, I mean, he he go, he can go fucking deep. You know, yeah, there could be a lot more that nobody's really knows There's about. A lot of people lucky that he didn't, he wasn't, he was caught so far. He wasn't very smart. Yeah. Because he could have been prolific, yep. prolific, because he was going dark fast. So let's take a little, little account here. So there was female fingernails, a waste paper basket made of human skin, human bones, and bone fragments, the tops of skulls made into bowls, a young girl's dress, and the vaginas from two females gauged to be at or younger than 15 years of age. Nine additional vulva, vulvae in a box, a belt made from female nipples, four noses, a pair of lips used on a, draw, a drawstring for a window shade. What the fuck? Dude? A lampshade wrapped with human faces, chairs upholstered with human skin, several masks made from the faces of females, a corset from the shoulder to the waist from a female body, leggings made from the skin from female legs, gloves made from female skin, Bernice Warden's head in a burlap bag. Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag on Gein's potbelly stove. And in addition to all of this, Ed Gein was telling the truth about the disappearance of Mary. Um, 
Yeah, she was there. Yeah, she was there. Well, at least uh, the mask of her face and uh, decapitated head were there. Everything else was gone. But you think you you think he got as far as eating? Eating. The, the uh, heart on the stove thing kind of... I, yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah. Like, at least if yeah. he wasn't there yet, he was thinking about it. Right, if you're saving a body part, uh, you know, an organ on your stove, you're probably going to eat it. I'm contemplating it. Yeah, you're going to eat it later on, yeah. That was like like Jeff, obviously. Jeffy, he, mm. he didn't he didn't start eating right away. It yeah. was over time as he was getting sicker and sicker and right. sicker and sicker. It yep. led to that point. Mm-hmm. So I think he... Ed, I'm telling you, man, Ed Gein... Could have been prolific if he if he wasn't such a fucking idiot. Yep. So up until this point, you know, Ed Gein, you know, he's been silent, hasn't said anything. Basically, approached him with with all this stuff that they found. Um, he wanted a warm apple pie with a slice of cheddar cheese on top. After that, he told him everything. As he's just eating his yeah fucking cheddar cheese. Have cheddar you, cheese on apple pie. Have you tried it? Yes, it's delicious. Is it? And I. I shit talked it all the way until I tried it. I'm telling, I'm telling you, when people said that, when I heard that, I was like, yeah. "You guys are crazy. Yeah. You need to get super sharp, like Vermont cheddar. Try it. Do it, yeah, yeah, game changing, actually. Yeah. Which is strange too, because you wouldn't think sharp cheddar and apple pie would go together, but yeah. it, it, it's it's definitely a thing. Hmm, have to give it a shot. All right, so in the next chapter here, we'll go into what Ed Gein is now saying that he did or did not do in chapter four. Gein told police from the time after his mother passed up until about 1953. He would pay attention to the obituaries and frequent fresh graves. He made nearly 40 such trips during this time, but only admitted to desecrating nine of the graves, either taking whole bodies or cutting off parts of them. Just the ones that resembled mother, he would allegedly say. He would then take the remains home and tan the skin in order to make his macabre creations. Gein admitted that soon after his mother died, he became obsessed with becoming his mother and would wear the bodysuits he made pretending to be her. Gein was asked if he had sex with any of the bodies, which he denied, saying that they smelled too badly. He was then questioned about Mary Hogan. Gein admitted to killing her and dismembering her body, but couldn't remember the details of her death, saying he was in a dazed-like state. Then it was on to Bernice Warden. Bernice, it was allegedly said, most reminded Ed of his mother, and she became an obsession of his. Gein refused to answer if he had sex post-mortem with either Mary or Bernice. He was also asked about 8-year-old Georgia Weckler and 15-year-old Evelyn Hartley, who went missing in 1947 and 1953, respectively. But Gein denied being involved with their disappearance and was never charged, even though the Volvo of two young girls had been discovered along with the other body parts in his home. Ed Gein was officially charged with one count of first-degree murder on November 21, 1957. He pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. After being examined by multiple doctors, the consensus was that he suffered from schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent to stand trial. He was sent to Central State Hospital for the criminally insane and later transferred to Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. In 1958, Gein's property and belongings were scheduled to be auctioned on March 30th. However, on March 20th, Gein's house was mysteriously set ablaze. 
destroying it and everything inside. When Gein learned of the fire, he simply shrugged and said, Just as well. Gein's Ford sedan, the one he used to transfer the bodies, did make it to auction and was sold to a carnival where patrons would pay 25 cents to view it. In 1968, doctors at Mendota decided that Gein was rehabilitated enough to stand trial, and on November 7th, his trial by judge began. After a week of testimony, including a statement from Gein saying he couldn't remember if Bernice's warden death was intentional or accidental, Judge Robert Gallman ruled Ed Gein to be guilty of first-degree murder. A second trial was set to determine sanity. After hearing testimony from psychiatrists from both the state and defense, Judge Gallmer then ruled that Gein was not guilty by reason of insanity and would live out his remaining years in a psychiatric hospital. On July 26, 1984, at the age of 77, Ed Gein died from respiratory failure associated with lung cancer. He was interred in the Plainfield Cemetery and over the years, Fans of the macabre chipped away pieces of his stone as souvenirs, which you can see at the serialholic.com backslash blog. In 2000, the remainder of his gravestone was stolen, but was recovered in Seattle, Washington in 2001. The stone is now in storage with the Washara County Sheriff's Department. Ed Gein lies nameless to this day next to his brother, his father, and his beloved mother. The story of Ed Gein has become as American as the warm apple pie he ate before his confession. Whether it's his disturbing relationship with his mother, or him actually trying to be his mother through layers of skin from the numerous bodies he collected, Ed Gein is now a part of American pop culture. Beginning with the 1959 novel Psycho by Robert Bloch, Gein's story has been adapted many times throughout the years. In addition to Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 movie Psycho based on Bloch's book, in which Hitchcock and Anthony Perkins masterfully bring the character of Norman Bates to life. There was Deranged in 1974, 2000's In the Light of the Moon, which was re-released in Australia in 2001 with the title simply Ed Gein. There was also 2007's The Butcher of Plainfield, as well as Rob Zombie's creations, House of a Thousand Zombies and The Devil's Rejects. Along with Norman Bates, other Ed Gein-based characters include Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Buffalo Bill from The Silence of the Lambs, and from American Horror Story, Asylum, there is Dr. Oliver Threadson. So he made 40 trips to the graveyard uh, after the death of his mother, but he only had missed desecrating nine of the graves because, you know, he only... Went at, after the ones that resembled his mother. Ugh, know. creepy. Yeah. As long as they look like mother. Yeah. Now, he did, you know, that he was asked if he had sex with any bodies, and he's like, no, you know, they smell too bad. But he... Oh, but that was the thing. Yeah. That they smelled too bad. Right. But what about Bernice? What about the ones right. that he killed? Well, he said... Fresh. Yeah. Well, he said he refused to answer. Yeah. Because I think, uh, I think, I think mother is still kind of lingering over his head a little bit. Oh, sure. Yeah. He doesn't want to admit that he had, uh... 
you know, had a little fun time with. Yeah, he had you know? to, he had to. Uh, oh, hundred. Oh, if you're absolutely. wearing the skin, yeah, you're trying to get as close as you can, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. To those to to your mother to to mm-hmm. these victims. There's no way you didn't. Yeah, and and, and Bernice's uh, uh, her heart is on his potbelly stove. Yeah, getting ready to be fucking roasted up. You know, of course. He definitely got in. Like we, I think we both established that this was a sexual crime. So there's no way he didn't get a thrill, a little bit of a chub. Oh yeah, through all this. Oh yeah, he got bricked up, looped out. So yeah, so th- th- you know, this brings up the eight-year-old uh, Georgia Welker and fifteen-year-old uh, Evelyn Hartley. You know, again, like Gein is adamant he didn't have anything to do with their disappearance, anything to do with 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 anything. You know, but yet. They found, you know, the vaginas from two young women, um, along with a, a girl's dress. You know, like these aren't these aren't the bodies that you dug up, bro. Yeah. You know, if you're saying you dug up only bodies that reminded you of your mother, then where'd you get these vaginas? Yeah. You know, these child. Ugh, that's horrible. Like whenever you hear of somebody, you know, when they go on trial, you know, they try to be. Uh, uh, not guilty by reason of insanity. Of insanity. And and you just look at them or you see their story. It's like, eh, you kind of knew you, you knew yeah, you were doing. Yeah, you knew you were yeah. doing. Yeah, come on, you're not you're not you fucking de- insane. You definitely yeah. weren't. You didn't have. Some, you had some screws loose, but yeah. you weren't insane. Right. You, I feel like I think there's a misconception with the insanity plea, and you literally have to not be coherent. Oh yeah. To get the insanity plea, like, right? You have to be full blown schizophrenic or or but not I, there. I, but I will say, uh, as soon as I heard Ed Gein's story, he's fucking insane. The dude is fucking insane. Yeah, that he's definitely one of the ones that I would argue could have got the insanity plea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, even like his house, the living conditions. Mm-hmm. He was so. I think he. I think he was always a little off. I think the death. The death of his mother broke him. It doesn't justify what he's done. I don't, right. It's not a. It's not a get out of jail free card. Correct. But, but Correct. I would give you, if you were going to tell me, hey, you got to pick, you know, one yeah. of the one of the guys. One of these guys that we've covered yeah. that actually deserved an insanity plea. <laughs> Gein's one of them. He's he's yeah. he's wild. He seems like this country bumpkin IQ it, of like forty. Yeah, he was making fucking. He made a skin wastebasket to throw trash away in. Yeah, that's crazy. Cra- think about that. That's crazy. That's <laughs> different. That's a different type. I love how you put in the story too. The story of Ed Gein has become an American as the warm apple pie that he ate. Yeah. Because it's it's true. You see the references yeah. in movies, pop culture. I mean, horror movie like icons like right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. Leatherface. You Psycho. know what I mean? Those, Psycho. They they have all little references to Ed Gein, and yep. that that story is one hundred percent. You know, it, it's in, solidified in pop culture. Oh yeah, from here on. So I I definitely will say that's an American classic. Absolutely. Just like a warm apple pie. Just like the warm apple pie. With a sharp piece of cheddar, people. <laughs> Try it out. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for this episode of Ed Gein. If you liked what you heard, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. And don't forget, you can become one of the debauched by joining our Patreon for as little as $2 a month. Everyone gets ad-free episodes and access to our Discord channel. Those who join the $5 tier or above get all of our audio video and downloadable content including narrated scripts from every story five minute murder our patreon only not safe for work bi-weekly podcast random af for the higher tiers you can get all of this plus producer credits on every episode some goodies thrown in like t-shirts posters coffee mugs etc just go to criminalafpodcast.com backslash support to choose your tier links to our support socials merchandise reviews and more in the episode description signing off from studio chloroform keep your head on a swivel 
and stay safe till next time. Now, now give me our theme music. See ya. Executive producers for this episode are Christine Rivera, Beth Davis, and Dusty J. Hicks. Associate producers are Paul Hodge, Noah Schultz, Brooke Morgan, Chantal Seislick, Jay Rawlings, Terry Burke-Wolin, and Bethany Cooper. Producers are Devin Dean, Trent Gobble, J.D., Jan O'Donnell, Jessica Lloyd, Lisa Perello, Jenny Crawford, Alicia Knight, Laura Shin, Chris Owen, Maria Celine, Beth Esselman, and Aussie Tracy. This story was researched and written by Dorothy Jari, edited and narrated by Dave Jari. For a narrative-only version of this episode, visit Criminal AF Direct, available wherever you listen to podcasts.